Hey there, lovebirds. Happy Wedding Wednesday, and welcome to another episode of Your I Do Crew, a wedding planning podcast. Each week, co-hosts Atan and Lindsay bring over 30 years of industry experience to the table with insight and interviews from local and national wedding pros to give you the best tips, tricks, and hacks that will take the stress out of your wedding planning process and help elevate your special day. So grab something old and something new. It's time to listen to Your Your I I Do Crew. Talking to Dr. Courtney Perret, a licensed naturopathic doctor and holistic relationship and anxiety coach. She has a passion for helping people create healthy relationships with themselves and others. And we're going to be talking about how to take the anxiety out of wedding planning. Yeah, but we're excited to have you. So why don't you, uh, why don't you introduce yourself for our guests? Okay, sure. Yeah, my name is um, Courtney Perret. I am a naturopathic doctor, so I'm trained in naturopathic medicine and practicing as an anxiety and relationship coach. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. So, so what does a naturopathic doctor do exactly? Mm-hmm. So, uh, naturopathic doctors really support people um, as holistic beings. So, seeing people as um, like a unified unit instead of just body systems, like really connecting mind, body, soul together and um, giving the body the nourishment that it needs to to heal itself. And mm-hmm. so for me in particular, I focused a lot on the, you know, the mental health and emotional connection part of it. But in mm-hmm. general, it's really just seeing that the body has the ability to heal itself. And how can we help it do that? Mm-hmm. That is awesome. That is fantastic. That is. I love that, that holistic idea because, you know, sometimes when you go into the, you know, the, the family practitioner, you do feel like you're just a collection of parts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. Now, do you think that's a, a kind of a way that modern medicine has shifted in that way? Um, I do. Um, I do think so. So it's interesting, you know, naturopathic medicine or the premise from that was sort of where medicine began. And mm-hmm. then it sort of took this tangent of like, you're saying like, parts and um, like, we'll fix this. And then we fix this, like really compartmentalized. And Mm -hmm. now I see it very much um, like shifting back toward where it began of people like really wanting a unified system and seeing like, wait a minute, everything's connected here. And just because the problem might seem like it's this, that might not be what's causing it. And so I'm seeing a shift back into like that holistic approach just overall, which is great. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So kind of a a return to a return to the baseline. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. That's great. And, you know, and, and, and I have to admit that when I first started seeing some of the, you know, chiropract- chiropractic practices and essential oils and things like that, it initially came off to me as a little woo-woo, but mm-hmm. I had a car accident a few years back and I now have a, a holistic chiropractor and an essential oil lady and I will mm. stand on a hill, plant that flag and die on yeah. it because I have seen the light and yes. and realizing that, that yes, you know, modern Western medicine descended from those things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes when you take things apart too much, you lose what the original focus was. Absolutely. So yeah. I love that, that whole concept, but but you do you do anxiety coaching. Mm-hmm. So yes. how did how did you get into that? Yeah, so I really got into um, anxiety coaching mainly um, after my own journey through anxiety and really feeling like I wasn't necessarily getting the support that I needed. And similar to to you, at first I was sort of like, "This is too out there. Like this is woo woo." And how am I supposed to manifest <laughs> this and take this? And I was very skeptical in the beginning. Um, and then similarly. To your story of, I kind of felt like, well, 
the conventional medicine model isn't working for me. Let me give this a shot. And I just started to find so much healing from it that I was, I was sold on it and then wanted to just know more about it and how can this, you know, help me and now help others. And so I really, um, got into it from just struggling with anxiety, um, and some depression in my own life. And then Mm -hmm. in particular, um, seeing just how many different areas of life anxiety sort of kind of can bleed into. And um, it it really got to a a big place in my life really during my wedding planning process. And um, Mm. so what I had sort of felt as though I healed a lot and I was in a much better space, like everything sort of bubbled back to the surface um, during the wedding planning process. And, (laughs) um, and so that for me, um, really led me to become passionate about supporting people, not only in general life, but also particularly like going through their engagement and, you know, the process to getting there. Mm-hmm. Sure. So wait, you're saying that wedding planning can be stressful? I've never heard that. <laughs> Only sometimes, you know, for, no. the, for, for, a, for a few, select few, you know. <laughs> well, especially if you're trying to DIY, DIY it. We've, Absolutely. We've heard so many times, you know, there are, we, earlier today, we spoke to a wedding planner and, uh, and that was what we we talked about. Some people are afraid to pay the cost for a wedding planner. Yes. But I said, you know, you pay the cost one way or another, one way in money, but the other way it's in your health and your absolutely, you know, yes. specifically mental health and you know mm-hmm. sometimes relationship health too. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And that can be really stressful. You know, stress and anxiety on an individual affects the relationship. Mm-hmm. Hundred well, percent. Maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe I should, <laughs> I should ask you. Does that affect a relationship? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and I see that all of the time, kind of back to compartmentalizing. It's like, I think people want to press pause, like, oh, I'll deal with that later. You know, I have invitations to get to, or I have yeah. to make my guest list. And it's like, mm-hmm. my emotional health can wait. And it doesn't, it doesn't work that way, right? Everything's really connected. And the more that you suppress, really, it tends to come out in different ways. And we often tend to take that out on those who are closest to us. And that's what really throughout the wedding planning process, um, we're really connected to people who are very close to us. And so um, as emotions are bubbling, and again, not only for the bride and groom, but just, you know, family in general, like emotions are high all around, right? People Mm -hmm. are getting triggered about everything that's kind of coming up in this process. And so um, not only are emotions high, but the people who we tend to be around are those who are closest to us. So I Mm -hmm. see a lot of arguments coming up, um, a lot of really distance that can come up um, in a time where really we're wanting more connection and growth together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you, how do you begin to identify that? And then what do you do about that? Yeah. So I think that really the first step um, is for people to take like an honest look within themselves. So again, um, I don't think it's as common or it still seems like there's a bit of it's like taboo or there's some stigma um, associated with it of like admitting that you're really struggling and that you need some support um, Mm -hmm. through this process. I think the first step is really just kind of take you know, an honest look at, wait a minute, how am I feeling right now? You know, how am I handling these situations? How has my relationship been since I've gotten engaged? You know, are we feeling more joyful and closer together? Or are we snippy with one another? Are we isolating? Yeah. Are we getting in more arguments? You know, like really not being afraid of that. So I think a lot of times too, if people, a lot of the people who I work with will get nervous about that of like, what does this mean? You know, does this mean like it's not the right person or I'm doing something wrong? And I think they let fear in a way um, 
help them to suppress because it's like, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want the, it to be that he's not the right person or she's not the right person. So instead, I'm just going to pretend it's not there where mm. fear doesn't necessarily or having these emotions doesn't necessarily mean it's not right. It just means we need to spend time working through that. And so I mm-hmm. think really being honest about where you're at, you know, are you disappointed? Are you crying more often? Are you having like breakdowns over little things that you wouldn't before you crying at TV commercials, like what's going on with you and really just noticing like, wow, maybe I need to give myself a little extra TLC um, in this time. So that's really the first step, I think. Mm -hmm. And so those are all big warning signs to look out for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And those can happen when you're planning a wedding or even in the day to day of having a relationship. Yes. Yes. Even in, even in marriages of, you know, 10, 20 years, those can happen. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, and I think it's a really important point because for some reason, and I know I felt like this personally, and I see it all the time with my with my clients of like when we think of relationships in general, it's like, yeah, we're fighting, we're we have arguments here and there, and that's okay. And then suddenly we think like as soon as we're engaged or we're having a wedding, like we're planning a wedding that it's only joy and happiness and blissfulness <laughs> and love. And like it's almost that expectation that we see through social media or yeah. just like the wedding planning process that it's just all love and rainbows, butterflies, you know, and that's not the case. And so I think really remembering like this is a relationship like any other time. And if anything, it's actually a really stressful time. Yes, really joyful and beautiful time, but also <laughs> a stressful time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, like you said, taking that stigma away and, and realizing that is, is so important. And, mm-hmm. and proposing is not a way to fix a broken relationship. No, exactly. <laughs> no. Yes. Just like, just like getting pregnant is not a way to fix a broken marriage. <laughs> absolutely. Like, yes. yeah, no. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, adding more yeah. stress to that. Oh, my mm-hmm. gosh. So if somebody is seeing these warning signs, if somebody is, you know, if the, the warning bells are going ding, 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 mm-hmm. you know, what, how should they begin looking for help? Yeah. So I would suggest like the first step is really um, almost again, like putting that as part of your wedding planning process, right? Like we have a list of things to do um, Mm -hmm. of like, like a timeline of getting things done, like really putting emotional health at the top of that list. So what I often Mm -hmm. see is, you know, if it's kind of like it's lower on the totem pole, right? Again, like the guest list and the cake and the caterers and all that are coming first. And then like, how am I feeling is last on the list or if it even makes a list. And so I think the first step is putting that on your list so that it's top of mind, it's in your consciousness. It's something that you're really working toward on a regular basis. And then um, doing your research of um, like it almost interviewing just like you would interview anybody else who any other vendor that you're using um, for your wedding is really interviewing someone to support you emotionally. Um, There's Mm -hmm. a lot of different therapists out there. And I know that there's, you know, couples counseling and our marriage, like premarital um, therapy. And what I do is a little bit different than that, because what I see, you know, with, with that kind of counseling is yes, it's about I almost see it as like future casting, like what problems mm-hmm. do we anticipate happening? Like as yeah. we get married and how can we work through that? Whereas the sort of coaching that I do is like in real time, you know, what's coming up right now? How can we handle this right now? How can we make sense of your emotional experience right now? And how can I support you in handling these situations instead of suppressing, instead of hoping they go away, instead of lashing out? And so mm-hmm. I think finding a connection with who you're going to be working with is extremely important. So not just mm-hmm. doing, you know, like a Google search and finding someone and being like, okay, this person will do, but really like it's as much of like you interviewing them as them, you, you know, it's, yeah. you, it yeah. has to be a good fit. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and I really like what you said, talked about future casting because mm-hmm. I do see uh, in, in my own marriage counseling uh, 12 plus years ago, I found the same thing that it was a lot of mm-hmm. hypotheticals. What if yes. this? What if that? Versus like you said, you know, we need to focus on the here and now and, mm-hmm. you know, actually develop tools to deal with what's happening today because those tools that you develop will carry on through the life and they will help to deal with those future situations, whatever they may be. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think too, along that same line, um, what makes sort of coaching in general, um, general terms different than, than counseling or therapy is a lot of times, um, especially if we're dealing in a couple situation is that therapy is very like neutral um, in the sense of the therapist doesn't really want to take a side, you know, Mm -hmm. like I'm not on her side or his side or, or, um, you know, one partner over the other partner. Um, And it's not that I take sides, but I ask permission to sort of call things as I see them, right? Because again, it's not doing anybody any favors to just sort of downplay what's going on in the relationship. And so sometimes one partner does need to be um, I don't know if called out is the right word, but that's what's coming in right now, you know, like not in a negative sense, but in a sure. way like really bringing light to like the way that, that you're handling this right now might not be the healthiest way. Let's, let's work through that. And so it's almost putting them on the spot, but with the goal of giving, like you said, tools to overcome that tools to really work through it. Whereas a lot of traditional counseling, I think like they don't want to push those buttons. They don't want to make someone feel like they're on the spot. But in that process, they're also not getting the tools to really work through it. And so mm-hmm. this is much more like deep work where you have to be, I think that's another kind of thing. If you're looking for somebody with this of knowing like that you're ready, that you might hear things that you don't really want to hear. They might be difficult in the moment mm-hmm. to work through, but it's for, I see it as like temporary discomfort for a long-term gain rather than like suppressing for temporary, you know, comfort for long-term discomfort. It's like the other way around of, can I be comfortable hearing something I don't really want to hear because I know it's going to help my marriage versus like, let's pretend it's not there for a little bit. And then it's going to come back (laughs) six months, a year, two years down the road. Right. That's the American way though. Right. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I think that's, and I think, you know, being called out. Yeah. I I like that you were hesitant to use that, but I I think, you know, reality checking is really important in that. way and especially there are people who you know the relationship might not be toxic as a whole but there might be little Mm -hmm. toxic carryover behaviors Mm -hmm. from their upbringing or from a previous partner or anything of that nature right yes yes and i think it's not only just because when we're talking about um especially like planning a wedding and working through an engagement process yes of course it's it's your partner but it's it's also family too right that's that's a big part of mm. it i know for me i had a particularly difficult mother-in-law and i have a very large family with many different personalities and i think a lot of times it comes down to um you know it can be both the bride and the groom but oftentimes i see the bride right of wanting to please everybody and wanting to make everybody happy which is a losing battle in itself um, yeah. because not everyone is going to be happy, but they really lose sight of what they want in that process too, yeah. of like, well, wait a minute, how am I showing up? How do, how do I want this? And so it's not only just working through the relationship with your partner, but also, um, you know, how can you guys become a unified front to, you know, deal with family members also. So it's, mm-hmm. it's sort of like, it's not, um, just specific to the couple, but also just really helpful for dealing with, um, personality conflicts that come up through the Mm -hmm. Uh, absolutely i I think we've i think we've all had the um 
experience of having a, a hostile family member uh-huh. during a wedding planning <laughs> yeah. process. I've always said, you know, in, in 150 plus weddings that I've done, I've never had a bridezilla or a groomzilla, but I've had a few momzillas. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're yeah. intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can be they can be super intense. <laughs> but I like what you said about, you know, making sure you're putting your own priorities first so that to thine own self be true um, mm-hmm. motivation. Yes. And I think yes. that's something that couples lose sight of as mm-hmm. they get wrapped into the whole wedding planning process as they're yes. trying to please all the people all the time. Yes. And yes. And and that can be that one of those instigating factors of that anxiety building. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yes. Because I think it's not only does it cause anxiety over the fact of, again, like, well, this person wants this and this person wants that, which is opposite. So it's like there really is no way that you could please both. And that alone can mm-hmm. cause anxiety. But then even deeper yeah. than that is like this internal knowing of you're betraying yourself in a way, right? Of like, this is yeah. my day and this isn't even actually what I want. And so what I actually tend to see as it gets deeper into the wedding planning process and sometimes not until after the wedding of like that intense letdown of whatever went wrong on the day or this person's still not happy and I didn't even get what I wanted. Like if people aren't going to be happy, at least mm-hmm. I should have done what I wanted. And I hear that all of the time and it's so mm-hmm. true, right? Of yeah. like, if anybody is going to be happy on the day, let's make it be, you know, you and your partner. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that's what really matters. Um, and I think that what I also see along the the route of anxiety is there's a lot of expectation, right? It's a lot of people have been dreaming about or even planning their wedding for years before they've even met their their partner, right? And so this is something that they've thought about for so long that they want it to happen in just a specific way. And the reality is when we're talking about family members in particular, like if your mom wasn't emotionally available for the first 25 years of your life, like she's not going to suddenly become emotionally available, like during the wedding planning process. And so true. Yet there's so many times where that is the expectation that somebody has, right? And so there's also not only anxiety about the whole thing, but like working through this grief and a lot of like family let down or like almost, you know, trauma for lack of a better word that's happened from childhood, like coming up now. So it's just such an emotional time um, and can be really difficult to work through so many conflicting emotions at once, like on your own. Mm-hmm. Well, in the wedding planning process, there are so many emotional landmines. There are so many potential <laughs> yes. triggers for yes. childhood trauma and things yeah. because you're mm-hmm. talking about, you know, uh, I mean, not only are you talking about inviting most, if not all of your relatives, mm-hmm. there may be untold trauma there, Absolutely. but you know, then you have to figure out, okay, well, Susie can't sit next to Mike or even on the same mm-hmm. side of the room or the table and the seating chart. And yeah. it, it can just get so overblown and so out of hand. Yeah. So, yes. so, so you said, you talked about fi- couples finding, you know, uh, a counselor, a coach to help them with this. Mm-hmm. You know, when you start working with a couple and when you first start to, after that interview and they, you each decide that it's a good fit, you know, how do mm-hmm. you, how do you begin to open that, that open that box? Yeah. So really, um, kind of back to what I had mentioned earlier about like help, having them be really honest with, with, with their at, um, so mm-hmm. many times, um, you know, it, I'm not really surprised anymore, but it still sort of does how out of touch people are with, um, how they're really feeling or how uncomfortable they are, or maybe haven't even been asked to say like, okay, really, how are you feeling right now? Mm-hmm. Um, and so helping supporting them with journaling can be a really helpful way of just getting their oh. thoughts down. 
Um, because I, a lot of times I hear people like, oh gosh, I don't want to write that down. Or once I wrote it down, now I'm feeling embarrassed or ashamed. Mm -hmm. And like, there's a lot of guilt that I find wrapped up that comes up through the wedding planning process. And by actually getting it down on paper or helping them to like sort through, almost doing a brain dump can be really helpful for clarity's sake of they Mm -hmm. might start to notice trends of like, wow, this seems to be coming up, um, on a regular basis, or I'm noticing I'm responding in this way every time like this type of situation comes up. So it helps to give us some understanding, but mm-hmm. also it's very, um, it's really just like a conversation. So it's not um, like they're not on the spot where it's like, okay, tell me how you're feeling right now, you know, and they have to come out with all of these feelings. It's just like, okay, how has the day been? And as they start to talk about it, especially if I'm working with couples, I can see, you know, the dynamic that's going on. And so there's a lot of like me being able to pick up on the energy, like they might say, Oh, everything's fine while they're sitting on opposite sides of, you know, the couch with arms crossed, not making eye contact. And so there's a lot of like nonverbal cues that you can pick up on, which they actually may or may not even be aware of, right. So it's again, Mm -hmm. bringing attention to what's really going on here, and then creating a safe space for them to feel like, wow, I can, I can talk about this. And that's the biggest thing that I've seen of, again, a lot of people are just ashamed or embarrassed or just haven't had an experience in the past where they've been able to say something and feel supported because it's very unbiased, Mm -hmm. right? Where I don't, I don't know them. I just met them, you know, in a way. And so I don't have stock in like either side. And so it's really just an unbiased place and that what they say like stays and that they can then go about their life, that they don't have to involve other family members, that they like, it's just a safe space to speak. And so it's Mm -hmm. really helpful just to get them to start opening up. Yeah. Well, and I loved, and then going back to your comment about the journaling, I really Mm -hmm. like that because it is um, an exercise where they have to actually think about how they're feeling. Because if you think about how do we greet each other, we say, Hey, how you doing? And you immediately Mm -hmm. say, good, you, Yep. we don't even think about it. And absolutely. If you, if somebody says, Hey, how you doing? And you actually pause to think about how you're doing and answer them. It kind of takes them aback because wait, what do you mean? You're actually considering how you're doing today (laughs) Mm -hmm. and and writing down those feelings can make them real Mm -hmm. and in, it can make you actually consider them and like, Oh, wow, I really do feel this way. It's not the waspy way. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And I love that you say that because that's actually, um, I do this quite often where uh, people, whether it's a couple or just an individual will come in, it's sort of, you know, the pleasantries, right? Like, how are you? Mm-hmm. Fine. Thanks. How are you? Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, okay, great. Now that we got that out of like off the table now, <laughs> what's really going on? Like, how is your day? You know? Yeah. And like, yeah. um, oh, and like they break down crying or, oh, we had an argument and it's like, right. Things aren't fine. It's just mm-hmm. we're conditioned in some way that like, do people really want to know how I'm feeling or is it just a pleasantry? And so um, I often do feelings checks also, which sound like really like rudimentary, but it's very much like I have a list of feelings. And if they're sort of like, I'm fine, I don't know what I'm feeling, like give them a sheet and oh. they get to pick what yeah. feelings on, the, on that list. And what's really powerful about that, I find that exercise also is that they're allowed to have more than one feeling, right? And so Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times people might say, oh, I'm sad or I'm angry, I'm frustrated. And it's about like, okay, what are you feeling right now? And they might say, I'm happy. Okay, what else are you feeling? And it's like, Mm -hmm. wait a minute, I can have another. And they kind of go down that list. And it can be, I'm joyful, I'm resentful, I'm sad, but I'm happy. Like just seeing how many different emotions can really exist at once. Mm -hmm. I think it's very powerful. Like it doesn't have to be just one. There's space for all of them at once. Yeah, you can have an emotions cocktail at any one exactly. time. It doesn't have to be a shot exactly. of emotion. Yes. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh my gosh. I, I really like that that well and it helps them to, you know, identify but also 
kind of externalized a little bit so they can really consider them and and also look at them more objectively you yeah. know because sometimes it's hard to identify where you're when you're right in the throes of everything mm-hmm. yes and they become less threatening i think right when we use them on on a more regular basis and with one mm-hmm. another like if if when we're speaking they know okay my partner tends to be angry because of this and they just hear anger more often and they also know oh they can be angry and also still love me like it's not one or the other that can be really helpful so that way if through the process something comes up and a partner seems standoffish or upset, like the other partner doesn't necessarily think they don't love me, this, you know, something bad's going to happen, we're, we're going to break up, like they can know, oh, wow, they're, we're allowed to have more than one emotion at once. So maybe something's making them angry, but I'm also still loved, like we're also still safe. And so I think that's where it becomes really helpful is like mm-hmm. when they take that into their everyday life, they can recognize like it, the world's not coming to an end if they have an argument, like it's okay to hold space for that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. Sorry. That's really, I'm, I'm really getting into this. That's good. I, <laughs> I love mental health. I'm a huge mental health advocate. And, oh, uh, great. and so this is, this is all very affirming to me. Mm. So I like that. So when you find that you start to work with, you know, when you start to give the relationship coaching to a couple who comes to you, do you mm-hmm. find that they come in the door with some, maybe some ideas some misconceptions that you have to kind of steer them back towards the right way? Um, yes, most often. Yes. So, um, and what I'm really, what I would love, and this doesn't happen very often, but couples coming in almost, um, like before they're in crisis, you know, a Mm -hmm. lot of times, um, it's not until it gets really bad or they feel like, oh no, we need to do something that they'll re they'll reach out, uh, which is okay. But by that time, a lot of patterns are already, um, like, they're, they're, they're coming from a place of patterns and habits rather yeah. than mm-hmm. like logical thinking. And so there is a lot of sort of unpacking of, okay, where did this pattern first start? First start, like what belief is underneath that? And so I work a lot with limiting beliefs of mm-hmm. sort of where did you first, you know, come up with that? What's going on? And let, is there a different way that we can um, like come to the same conclusion, but with a different belief around that? So that's something that I do quite often. Um, and also just seeing there's what I call losing strategy. So a lot of times, and this comes up of like being right. So an objective mm-hmm. truth is something that I see quite often of, you know, the argument can suddenly turn into who is right and really losing sight of the fact that you both probably want the same thing. Like mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's, I like to really bring attention to like, it's you two against the problem, not like you two against one another. Like you're a united oh, front I against like the problem. That's good. Um, rather than, because when we're in this space of, well, I want to be right, or this is the way that it happened, like really helping to people. One of the most powerful things, I think that once people get it, makes the biggest difference is recognizing like your partner can have an experience of something and feel a certain way and remember it a certain way. And that can just be their experience and that can be their truth. It doesn't have to be your truth, but you don't have to prove them otherwise. Like you're Mm -hmm. both allowed to feel differently about a situation and to remember it differently. And that like moving forward, like it's not about who's right, but just a matter of, okay, I can see how you would feel it that way from your side. This is how I feel it. Now, what do you need to feel better? What do I need to feel better? So it's very results oriented rather than like, just see it my way. Because right, once eventually a partner gives in like, okay, fine. You're right. Nothing's really resolved. Like it doesn't actually feel good to be right. It's like, okay, yeah, great. I'm yeah. right. Yeah. Oh, now we still have the problem. Now let's fix that. Right. Like, it's like it doesn't actually do anything. Um, uh-huh. So it's like, we're fighting people start to defend something that they don't even want. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I feel like uh, I'm getting called out a little bit here. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is great. I, I, I'm, I'm worried you're going to send me a bill after this. Yeah, I was like, I did my research. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh man, you've been, you've been on my Facebook. Oh geez. <laughs> I awesome. see what's going on. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is this sounds really great. But I mean, in what you said about they're coming to you when they're already in crisis mode, it's the kind mm-hmm. of the difference between um, you know going to the mechanic after you've already had a car crash versus going because yes. you know your tires are getting bald. You know, trying to triage these these moments where they the anxiety and the and the relationship and the troubles in the relationship can build before they get to crisis point before mm-hmm. they get to to breaking point. So what are some tools that couples can use? I mean, I know you've, you've said a lot of things about journaling and writing down feelings and, and mm-hmm. God, I love the, it's not you two against each other. It's you two against the problem. Mm-hmm. That's, that's good. Awesome. Yeah. Mind blown. But what are some other tools that couples can use to make sure that when they're not going to get to the point where it is that crisis mode to kind of yeah. diffuse that before they get to that point? Yeah. So um, I think just in general, right, communication obviously can be really important, but connection, connection even more so than communication. So like nonverbal communication can be really important in these situations, because let's say that you're not really sure how to word what's going on, or you're not even sure what your emotion is about something or how you're feeling, like just holding your partner's hand, right, or touching them on the shoulder, like that connection really diffuses the situation. So where couples tend to get into a lot of trouble and where distance and isolation starts to be created is when like we shut down, we stonewall, like, oh, it's a problem. I'm going to go in my room. I'm going to sleep on the couch for tonight, which I mean, it happens from time to time. But when that becomes the pattern, um, that's breeding, that's like adding insult to injury, so to speak, right? If we can Mm -hmm. come to a place of we don't agree right now, but I still love you again, like always coming from a place of love, like we're in an argument right now, but that doesn't mean I don't love you. Like we're Mm -hmm. arguing, I'm arguing with someone that I love. So always remembering love, I think is something that's really important. And then another practice that I think helps people stay on track and avoid getting to this place of crisis is, um, it's similar to journaling. So it's along the same lines, but it's what um, I call and what I've heard call a brag book. So really keeping track of on a regular basis. So I really encourage people to do this daily. Um, but some are like, no, I'm, I'm angry with him today. I'm not writing something good. So that's fine if you have like one day here or there that you don't do it. But in general, really writing down something you are doing well and something your partner is doing well in service of the relationship. Because oh. again, when we start to focus on like, all, I'm stressed, all of this stuff is going wrong, like they're not doing this, I'm on my own, our brain starts to say, okay, like we're enemies with this partner, right? We're against this partner mm-hmm. right now, we're angry at him. And it, our brain likes to be right all the time. And our brain likes to take <laughs> the easiest road that we can to get there. So if it's starting to get the message of like, hmm, this person's our enemy, we're angry at him, it's going to find more information to support that, right? Mm-hmm. And so then they might um, leave a plate out and or not close the cabinet and like, oh, see, I knew it. I this guy like he just he one thing after another. Whereas <laughs> if you can get into this place of like forgiveness and love, you might remember like that that open cabinet might not um, disrupt you as much. And so mm-hmm. by remembering to write down something that's going well each day, what that really does is it gives your brain this new pattern. So when we're talking about patterns, eventually if you know that you're going to have to write something down about your partner every day, that's going well, your brain's going to start to look for that. So Mm -hmm. it's going to be like, okay, like you might notice something that you wouldn't, you might notice, Oh, he closed the cabinet. I'm going to write that down. Whereas (laughs) if you weren't writing it down, it might just like go like right over your head and you might not notice it. So that is an extremely um, helpful way to shift the focus on things that are going well. And it also brings attention because we can get so bogged down. There's a lot of stuff for us to heal in relationships. It's a constant 
um, process, right? And so mm-hmm. we can get so like we might ask for something and then we get that and then it's like, okay, well, yeah, but but now I need this, right? And okay, I get that. Mm-hmm. Now I need this. And so by writing that down, it's really helpful to recognize, oh, my partner is making some progress. Yeah, we're still maybe have a ways to go, but look at how far we've come. And so having that written down is really helpful. And then on a regular basis, so through the wedding planning process in particular, I like people to do this at least once a week, but sharing with your partner, look at what I've noticed that you've done well, and then having them share what you've done well. And it's a very, an exercise that's really helpful for connection. And it helps the other partner see like, oh, they are noticing what I'm doing. Because a lot of times we can ask for something. And then if we get it and we don't appreciate that, or we don't bring recognition to it, the partner is getting the message of, well, what's the point? They asked for it. I didn't even get a thank you. They didn't even notice. So I'm not going to keep doing it. So really bringing attention to the things that you want to be happening, like telling your partner that you appreciate. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And I, I love that because you, in, in creating that pattern for yourself, it reminds me of a, um, there's a passage and, and, you know, I'm not a biblical scholar by any stretch of the imagination, mm-hmm. but there's a passage that I like, and it's, it's real simple. It says, you know, seek and ye shall find. And mm-hmm. yes. So much of that to me is just that, you know, what you've heard the, the, it's the, the red car, um, the red car, something or other. It's if you buy a red car, all of a sudden you see red cars everywhere Mm -hmm. because when you're paying attention to it, you see it more. And Mm -hmm. when you're not paying attention, you just don't see it. Our brains are wired that way. Our brains are not our friends all the time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We, we program them and then they run the program we give them. So we have to be very careful how we program them. Definitely. And that's one of those things of back to like thinking like, this is kind of wooey, right? Like when I first (laughs) heard that, I'm like, I understood it, but I was like, there's no way that that works. Like, I'm just having a bad day. And then I started to like, just try to find like, okay, what's one thing that's going well each day. And it really started working. I'm like, oh, this stuff is like magic. Like it really does work. If you (laughs) are looking for something like it's not just hypothetical. And it's interesting how many people almost oppose that or fight it. Like these things Mm -hmm. in theory are very simple. And yet there's like this hesitancy. Um, I noticed for a lot of people to do it, but once they start, it's like, they wonder like, why didn't I start this sooner? Like it makes such a difference. Yeah, exactly. Well, and there, I think, and there's a stigma against, um, I don't even want to say mental health, but certainly mental health, but mental awareness in, in yes. America. Yeah. We mm-hmm. get that if you go to the gym every day and, you know, pump the iron, that yes. your body will get fit. <laughs> but for some reason, we're so against the thought of of conditioning our minds in the same way mm-hmm. yes. for our own health. And it's mm-hmm. so it's such a, and again, that's why I say I'm a huge advocate for that. I will wave that flag forever because- it is like, like you said, it's like magic. And for some reason, we're just culturally programmed to be very resistant to that. Yes. Yeah. But, but, it's almost like, it, because I think it's seen as, as a flaw, right? Like something that's mm-hmm. actually um, wrong with you as a person, right? It's like mm-hmm. a fundamental flaw, which uh, I always like to remind people like the brain is an organ, just like anything else. Right. So if you broke yeah. your leg, you wouldn't be like, I'm going to fight through it. Like, I'm going to pretend it's not there. And I'm like, my bone's hanging out, but I'm going to pretend I'm fine. Like, we don't do that. And it's the same thing. The brain gets ill, and sometimes it needs a little bit of support. And even, like, it's not weak at all, right? That there's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with you. It doesn't mean, like, you're less than. And I think that, in particular, stressful situations like the wedding planning process can bring about anxiety, um, or emotions in people that maybe they haven't felt in a very long time or maybe ever before. And so I think that's scary sometimes to people of mm-hmm. like, well, I need to pretend this isn't, this isn't going on. Like what's going, what's wrong with me. And really the sooner you can catch it and the, the sooner that you're able to just see, okay, this is just a hurdle for me to overcome. Like 
the faster you're going to find relief. Like it's, there's no need to suffer, you know, on your own. There's so much support out there. And I love that you're, you know, a mental health advocate because that's really where it comes from for me also is there's just so much, I believe, you know, un- suffering that doesn't need to be happening out of embarrassment yeah. of like, wow, something's wrong with me. I should be able to handle this on my own. Mm-hmm. And it's like, just like you wouldn't be like, think like, oh, I'm going to put my leg back in and stitch it up and fix it all on my own. Like you wouldn't expect to have to go through this on your own either. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, that, that's a great example. And, you know, whether it's because of the, the social media culture has made mm-hmm. people so competitive with their, their personal lives or yes. whether because America's, you know, individualistic and, you know, strength of one, I can do anything, put your mind to it, bootstraps, all that. Yes. Wherever it comes from, the fact is that it's real and, and we really need to work to combat that and mm-hmm. really let people know that it's okay to seek help and, and you know, on yourself, on your relationship, you know, you got to work on it. You got to put in the work to make it healthy. Yes. Just absolutely. like you're not going to, you're not going to run the Boston marathon without doing a couple warmups. Right. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. You can't expect to have the perfect relationship, the perfect marriage without, you know, without a little training for that too. Yes. Awesome. Yes. And I think that it's, it's about remembering to that, um, like having an argument or disagreeing or feeling like you're not, you know, super passionate all of the time. Um, that can be scary for people, especially like, again, in this time where, wait a minute, we're engaged, we're supposed to be in love every day. So normalizing that also that relationships aren't in the happiest and healthiest of relationships aren't ones who don't argue, right? They're the ones who are at, who actually move from an, an argument back into like harmony the quickest. So it's not about the number of arguments that you have, but how you handle conflict. And so mm-hmm. that's something that I always like to remind people that it's not Though the couples who actually never argue or have very few arguments usually don't have the healthiest relationships because they are not able to handle conflict. And so right. I like to remind people that it's not about being in harmony all the time, but move it like a continuous dance from harmony into disharmony and back into harmony. Like how quickly can we, we move from one to like disharmony back into harmony that really makes a difference. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's a, that's a really great perspective to take on that. It makes me reevaluate a few people's relationships that I know. <laughs> well, it's true. That's when I started like doing this work. That that's what I noticed too. Of like, hmm, I'm so no one wants me around anymore. I'm like, now you have a problem. You have a problem. <laughs> but it's true. Like often because that's all also usually an indicator of like suppression, 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 and then mm-hmm. a blow up. Right. And a bigger yeah. thing where we'd really like to rather handle like the little ones, like put out those little fires at a time before mm-hmm. it becomes like a forest fire. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. And when you suppress, then you put yourself at risk for, you know, self-harm behavior, self-medication exactly. and a variety of not the most healthy ways. Definitely. So we've, and we've all seen that to, to negative fact. But mm-hmm. Courtney, thank you so much. I should say yeah. Dr. Yeah. Courtney. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> thank you. You can call me Courtney. That's okay. But thank you. <laughs> thank you. No, I, uh, we appreciate this so much. You've been uh, amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, and so many tips for our listeners, um, just ways that they can, they can help themselves. And then of course, to kind of know when to go into, to a professional for that help when they need mm-hmm. that intensive, hopefully before the car crash, yes. hopefully just right. when they know yes. the tires are balding. <laughs> right. But, awesome. Well, so knowing that this, um, this episode is going to air in September of this year, mm-hmm. knowing that, is there anything that you have coming up that you want to promote or that you want to let us know what's coming up for you? So, um, nothing specific in terms of promotion. Um, I just, I would like to offer, you know, anybody who hears this when, when they are listening to it, if, um, I'm happy to offer, 
um, a complimentary one hour, what I call an emotional download session for anyone who hears this, on this podcast to really just um, be an unbiased, you know, listener and kind of like we had talked about of connection, like making sure it's a connection, just giving them a, a space to, to test it out if they're feeling like it's something that maybe um, they've been suppressing or putting lower on that priority list to kind of bring it up. So I'm happy to, to offer that to anybody who hears this podcast. That's awesome. Awesome. That's that's quite an offer. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Appreciate you're welcome. That. And so if folks want to continue to follow your journey and read more about mm-hmm. you, where mm-hmm. would you send them? Yeah, so um, I'm probably most active right now on Instagram, which um, you can find me on Instagram at Dr. Dr. Underscore Courtney underscore Pare, P-A-R-E. And then also my website is um, a great way to, to get in touch. Um, and that is www.com nhsvirginia.com so as in natural health solutions but it's nhs virginia and those are the two places that i'm most active what is inspiring you and bringing you joy yeah so right now in my life um i'd have to say i'm training for um a spartan and an obstacle course race coming up in the summer and um that's bringing me a lot of joy i i was very active um like running and just physically active through college and i sort of got away from that. And so this has just been a great time to kind of refine my strength and power. And um, it's been just really great to be out in nature. I've spent hiking a lot with my dog. And so it's, um, it's been really fun. So that's probably what's bringing me the most joy right now. Well, Courtney, Dr. Courtney, thank you so much. We truly appreciate it. You've been awesome. You're welcome. Thank you very much. I really appreciate um, your time and having me on. It's been great. And that's this week's episode. Thank you again for listening. We are so glad that you choose to spend your time with us. Remember, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so for as little as $1 a month by going to patreon.com slash your I do crew, or leave us a rating and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast network. And make sure that you subscribe to make sure that you don't miss a single episode filled with great stories and wedding tips. So stay tuned for all that and more on next week's episode of Your I Do Crew. This is Atan, owner and chief officiant of Weddings for the Ages. You can find us on The Knot, Wedding Wire, Facebook, and Instagram as Weddings for the Ages. And this is Lindsay Roselle with Lucky Bird Photography. You can find me on Wedding Wire, The Knot, and you can also find me on social media using at Lucky Bird Photo. If you liked what you heard today, help us spread the love. Comment, like, rate, and review on iTunes and Google Play, and share on your favorite social media platforms. We love feedback. So if you have any suggestions or if you want to ask us a question, email us at feedback at youridocrew.com. Thanks for listening, and here's to love, laughter, and happily ever after. Cheers. Cheers. I want to get, I want to get, I want to get Music credits are as follows. Song title, I Want to Get Married, by artist D. Cylinders, from the Free Music Archive. Attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 4.0 international.